Hey everybody, thank you for listening to the Small Town Podcast. Connor here. If you find this episode valuable, be sure to share it with your friends and leave a review on iTunes or wherever else you're listening. Also, I invite you to check us out on Patreon if you're interested in helping to support this podcast. You can find a link to that in the description of this episode. All right, enjoy the conversation. <laughs> to Macklin's credit, he did a really good job of mapping out the food list. He had a, you know, a whole spreadsheet, but it was all oatmeal, oatmeal, oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> all the way down the list. My, my travel, because of my background, which I'll tell you about at some point, um, focuses on getting from here to there and there being like a national park. Uh, have never spent that much time in cities. You know, the uh, the appeals just never really been there. Although there's some cities that I do like. Right. I thought this time out, uh, I hadn't been to Canada for a long time, so and I was in the neighborhood of Canada. <laughs> you know, it's a big neighborhood. <laughs> um, I thought, well, I'll go up to Vancouver and uh, uh, see, see what we'll, see there. what'll happen. Uh, and they do have an excellent. Uh, aquarium um and they're they're way into the uh pacific northwest ancient culture pre-columbian culture so there's some interesting stuff to see uh but it is a big city and uh uh this (laughs) there's too much background to the story okay um which i'll get into later but i did not have gps for canada and it didn't occur to me to just use Google Maps because I just, you know, don't, I don't, not that good of a thinker. But, uh, um, so I, I was navigating by a map and it was actually pretty easy. The, the streets there for a big city, they make pretty good sense. But I had booked this motel for that night, uh, right next to what they market as historic Chinatown. So I thought, well, this is cool, you know. I'll have a place to wander around and see some intercultural stuff. Turns out, their Chinatown is a really a Chinatown, you know. It's it's full of open air markets, and all the signs are in Chinese, and all the people who are shopping there are Chinese. You know, it's a real fun- functioning Chinatown. Uh, unfortunately, it's also the, where they dump their homeless. So it's it's kind of a ghetto area. So I'm I'm going down the street. You know, I know I'm on the right street, and uh, my motel should be coming up there on the left here in a little bit. And then all of a sudden, cop cars come zooming out <laughs> past me. And by the time I get up to almost the street where I'm supposed to turn, it's cordoned off with police tape. <laughs> and there has been an actual shooting. This is like Canada's annual shooting <laughs> happened that day on the block right next to my motel. So I make a circuitous route, you know, around, uh, take a little detour and approach the motel from the other direction. And while I was while I was passing by, um, I uh, passed this tent city. You know, it's it's a homeless city. So. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I don't like going to uh, big cities, 
and it's you know i mean it's a far cry from the problems that they have in la and san francisco and probably new york and other you know u.s cities but it's it's it was a very disturbing thing to see um these people are all uh, addicted to something or they're mentally ill and they've been you know cast out onto the street to fend for themselves and this is this is not good this is actually it's it, it is presented as tolerance and you know making room for you know these people's lifestyle but it's actually cruelty mm. so i mean that's the vancouver story i didn't actually uh intend for it to go that direction but but it was the that, that's the the funny story is you know the, i couldn't get to my motel because it was a crime scene <laughs> because there had just been a shooting so, an actual shooting so um you said something one time about scotland macklin mm-hmm. about how when you're there for the first time it's so beautiful and you don't realize, like, you can't imagine why there would be any violence in a place like that. But then when you live there for a while, the newness kind of wears off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I guess you start to see, you know, you start to not see the beautiful things that are around you when you've been there for long enough. So it's like you think a place like, like, who would be violent in Canada? That's such, mm-hmm. you know, such beautiful scenery. <laughs> we are human. Yeah. Uh, human nature also always, uh, you know, manages to come up eventually i feel like i I should give you some background first guys now that we've already started (laughs) let's go back to the beginning um when um i was growing up my my family took a road trip every year Uh, my dad had two hobbies that he liked to spend his money on and uh, one of them was stamp collecting and the other one was travel and I, I never got into stamp collecting. Sorry. But <laughs> Sorry, I was I was all into the traveling. And this would have been <clears throat> roughly I think it was like sixty three or sixty four through seventy seven. Which was actually kind of the waning days of non interstate travel. Mm-hmm. The interstate system was not fully in place. So while I didn't really realize this at the time, I'm sure that we were traveling a lot along a lot of U.S. highways and state highways, and it was it was like still the golden age of the roadside attraction. So it, the whole idea of it is not just to get to where you're going, but to see what's in between, and you know you can pull off and see this a giant building made out of corn cobs or uh you know rock city mm-hmm. still around mm-hmm. everybody's seen the um the barns painted for mammoth caves yeah which is actually a, a national park now but i don't think it was uh in the beginning um so that's my background in traveling and i always i always wanted to to you know go back to that again uh i went we in my lifetime we went pretty much everywhere twice so i had very vague just general memories of these places that we went to from being a little kid uh and then as 
someone in their mid-teens saw them again, you know, and can and could really appreciate them more. But uh, when you're a little kid and you see a sequoia tree for the first time, that leaves an impression. Mm-hmm. You, know, you just never forget that. And then when you get a chance to revisit it, it's like getting back to Narnia. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a just kind of a magical thing. And these are all wonders out of nature. You know, things that uh, that uh, God made. And uh, we can talk about sequoia trees later on if you want. But I always I always wanted to go back to that, and I did, I never had the chance to when my kids were little. And then you know it got it came to be that. I was alone, so uh, no, no natural traveling companion. So I never wanted to try to handle driving and navigation at the same time. Uh, but then somebody invented GPS. <laughs> some some bright young chap or or uh, lady. Chapet. Chapet. Uh, <clears throat> that's for your lips, isn't it? When you're chapped your lips. lips. Yeah. Chapat. <laughs> Chapat. Uh so then I, I had the opportunity, you know, the, the navigation was handled for me, except for in Canada. <laughs> so there's the background of that that part. Uh and and so about <laughs> ten years. One time ago, is the one time that there was a shooting. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well a I great also time to fail. Yeah. <laughs> GPS. Yeah. Uh <laughs> the other thing to know is that uh as as a family, uh, we traveled in the U.S. Now we did go up to Canada uh, a number of times, and we were in Mexico once. Uh, and I was I was so little, I'm not even sure where we went. In fact, when I was little, I had no idea of geography at all. I had no idea where we were. Uh, I think in Mexico, it was probably just down to Tijuana. Uh, is my guess, but. Uh, we we never did international traveling beyond that. It was always, you know, get in the car and go somewhere cool and uh, see what you can see in between. How many of you were there? Uh, four. Usually, uh, when uh, when I was real little, we took a trip to Florida and we took my grandmother with us. But uh, in general, it was my parents and me and my brother. Yeah, we had five of us but we were all the same age yeah so that's a diff- very different dynamic mm-hmm. what kind of vehicle were y'all in we had the family sedan the family sedan yeah and uh um there were a couple of rough years <laughs> <laughs> after after my brother and i got to be teenagers you know the knee uh, space there in the back seat uh-huh. <laughs> kind of gets smaller somehow the car <laughs> shrinks but then we got a larger car and, and all was well yeah, and people here in the southeast don't realize how big those states are out there. Yeah. So, you know, driving through a state suddenly becomes way more of an ordeal. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of time for the... Well, I tell you what, the uh, interstate has changed that in a big, big way okay. since I was a kid. Um, the reason I'm here, folks, is because I just got back from a, uh, a, a big loop around uh, some of the national parks. Uh, and I, uh, my final day of driving was from Albuquerque to Jackson. Good old I forty. I forty. The only the only turns I had to take was to avoid the construction because I tell you what, there is a lot of road construction going on out there. Um, 
but uh that was that was something like 1100 miles Mm -hmm. and you're just not going to do that in one day without the interstate yeah uh so it is it has made a lot of stuff possible but it's also cheapened the experience so Mm -hmm. one of the things i noticed both times when i went out is there is far less roadside wildlife out in the western states when i was a kid it wasn't that unusual to turn a corner and see a bunch of buffalo you know by the side of the road or you know off the road a few hundred yards uh pronghorns were just everywhere uh you know as a kid i liked to count the animals that we saw (laughs) after like day two i gave up on the pronghorn they were just (laughs) everywhere it was uh they were as common as crows i guess or some some other common animal right do you not see buffalo this time around only in the parks well no i take that back i did see one little group uh between a park uh no pronghorn at all and and that's i think that's because of the interstate uh you know the 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 travel is just so heavy the traffic is and so much noise they just stay away no prairie dog villages along the roads along the interstate and i'm sure it's just it's with them it may be the vibrations mm-hmm. uh drive them away so uh again it was uh those little two-lane u.s highways uh really still allowed uh the wildlife not to be so afraid that they stayed away mm-hmm. yeah and in the parks it's the opposite they're so used to seeing people yeah that it, they don't even seem like wildlife at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the trip I took five years ago, uh, my first stop was Estes Park, uh, Colorado. It's right outside Rocky Mountain uh, Park. And there was a herd of elk just living there in town. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the bucks <coughs> kept his distance, but the uh, does were all, you know, right there. If you wanted to, you could, you could have tried to pet one. And uh, the uh, the motel I stayed in that night uh, was kind of uh, uh, another throwback to the the kind of the family-run motel. And I was outside on the parking lot uh, wanting to get away, (laughs) but the motel owner or manager uh, was talking to me. And there was a little... uh, it was a drive-through type of area, and in the uh, the, the area of the columns that hel- holds the little roof up, there was some bushes. You know, it was it was landscaped a little bit, and I was standing there talking to her, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw this big brown thing, and I jumped, <laughs> and then the elk that was like a yard away from me jumped, <laughs> and we both had you know just a little epiphany, and. Uh, and then I said, you know, there's an elk, you know, like an arm's length from me. And it's like that. They'll just come up and ring your doorbell. And the elk told his buddies, there's a human like arm's length away from me. <laughs> yeah. This stupid human jumped at me. And I had to jump back at him. So Macklin and I have been talking about doing a podcast about road trips for a while. I think really since the beginning when we were first talking about doing a podcast, period. Mm-hmm. This was one that we talked about having. Uh-huh. Um and it just, for whatever reason, it just never happened. Um, and then Craig came back from his trip, and I was already hoping to have him on again. Mm-hmm. And so it just made sense to combine the two into one thing. Mm-hmm. So, And miraculously, all of our schedules worked out. Here we are, yeah. man. Yeah. 
But I mean, those the road trips that Macklin and I took together were, I'm not even sure how, but they were, they were life changing. Uh-huh. I mean, just to see things that I had never seen before, yeah. and to have those experiences. I didn't grow up in a road trip family. Uh-huh. Um, we only took one really big road trip, and that was. I think I, I think I'd already left the house at that point. Um, hmm. I went with them, but I was already in college at the time. So, where'd you go? We went to Maine mm. and and back. And uh, that was the first trip I took. You know, okay. after after I got my GPS, it was for a wedding. Yeah, which you may remember. Well, that's fun because the states are so small. Yeah, you're driving instead of a instead of a green sign with the cities like. So and so city twenty miles, another city forty miles. It would be whole states like uh-huh. Delaware, five <laughs> yeah. miles, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, on, at Rhode Island, I think the the signs are facing. You know, you're you're now entering Rhode Island. You're now leaving <laughs> yeah. Rhode Island. Or, you're back to back. Yeah. <laughs> and and the thing about traveling in the Northeast is is there's so much to see that's historical. Uh, so when I took that trip, I some of the, yeah. a lot of the people. That went up to that wedding that I know flew, uh, but I I did the road trip thing and uh, made a stop in uh, uh, Gettysburg and in Boston mm-hmm. um, saw <clears throat> Breed's Hill, which is where the Battle of Bunker Hill took place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried to make it, I tried to uh, go to uh, Monticello, but uh, it was closed that day for for a, a special tour that was going through it. Uh, made a, a stop in D.C. So there, there's there's a lot to see, you know, uh, in a trip like that. Um, although it's uh, it's a different nature than of you know when you go out west. Mm. Yeah, Connor and I, uh, the road trips that he's talking about were called Five Guys in a Prius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> That kind of just says it all. Yeah. <laughs> there was a moment right outside Yellowstone. I think actually we had just entered Yellowstone. It was a Cook City, uh-huh. small little town, okay. either right in or right outside. And we pulled up next to this big white pickup truck with this one guy in it eating his ice cream because we stopped right outside the ice cream shop. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we're coming out like clowns out of a clown car. <laughs> and he looked over and, y'all all came out of that beep, Prius. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yep. It was surprising for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, car travel will do stuff to you. My my brother and I, when we were little, we learned in driving in the mountains, you know, it's tend to go, you weave back and forth, you know, you're following the side of the mountain, and then you turn around and you follow the other side of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And this was, uh, this is a great um, opportunity for car wrecks. And I don't mean real car wrecks. I mean on the on the back shelf of the back seat. You line up your toy cars, and you go around a curve. And if you've got the heavy one in the back, you got a crazy, you know, twenty car pile up. And this is how my brother and I would would uh, entertain ourselves in the car. Uh-huh. You just come up with crazy stuff just yeah. just so you don't go batty. Did you do that while you were driving this time? Uh, Have your cars lined up on the dashboard? I I tried so hard, (laughs) but no. Well, you had a different experience than we did because you, with these most recent ones that you've done, you've done it solo. Yeah. Right? And that's a completely different thing than what we were doing. 
because we were, I mean, it was five people, you know, packed into a tiny little car. Mm -hmm. Uh So it's just a completely different dynamic. And we were trying to go super cheap. I mean, we broke high school and college students just, I mean, just sleeping in the car. We didn't stay in a hotel. (laughs) You didn't even camp. (laughs) Sometimes we did, but they don't always, I mean, sometimes you have to pay to camp places. So Uh (laughs) you have to make a campsite. (laughs) And there was one time when uh, we woke up and we had just parked by the side of the road and uh, Aaron had to pee. So he rolls down the window of the car and, (laughs) oh, I just peed on a raccoon. (laughs) (laughs) That raccoon is going to go home and bathe in tomato juice. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, I mean that's definitely the way I I I do it is not cheap. Um although uh this time I uh decided to stay in the park uh, in a couple places in Glacier and uh Mount Rainier cuz that's the best way to actually have a day in the park. Um uh, if you, you know, if you, your motel is like an hour or two away then you've lost an hour or two getting there and an hour or two getting back so but that's that's also extremely expensive anything in the park or right around it they're going to charge a premium so every other stop i had was a motel six you know trying to Mm. average things out it it was still about 120 dollars a night Mm -hmm. uh, on average uh and uh my uh, grand scheme of things for Glacier, you know, blew up in my face. But I was expecting that. <laughs> That's just going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, it's not. It's it's expensive. Uh, and and for anyone <coughs> on a real budget, uh, camping would be the way to go. But the campgrounds fill up. You know, they do. They, I mean, I I was uh, I made this trip in uh, September. Uh, which is after the official season. Uh, in fact, uh, in the northern parks, a lot of the kind of support businesses around the parks had already closed. Um, and still, the campgrounds were f- full. Uh, so it's tough. Well, and even then, you still have to pay for food. Right. And, you know, all the other supplies. Well, yeah. And of course, if you're camping, you you can eat a little cheaper. Well, we but we you still have to eat. We mostly lived off of uh, oatmeal packs and fruit smileys. That was basically how we did <laughs> yeah, it. No no joke. Those you, you really were five guys in a car. <laughs> those uh those oatmeal packs are great because they come in different flavors and so that uh-huh. gives you a little bit of variety. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, here's the thing with those oatmeal packs, the cheapest way to get them is to get the variety pack like and also probably the best way, but the thing is And the those, industrial size. Right. Yeah. We would go to <laughs> At one point, we were all at Walmart, all five of us, and these these shop. We'd always go together to the shopping trips at Walmart, and so it's like five dudes. Uh, usually around midnight, we would go, and so at midnight at Walmart, that's when all the interesting people show up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and um, so we're the people from Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, so we're in um, we're in Walmart. It's about one a.m. and we're trying to pick out some oatmeals, and I just remember looking over, and 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 we're like. We're picking at the bottom shelf at the oatmeal section. There's like these gigantic cardboard boxes with packs of eighty oatmeal packs or something, something great like fifty oatmeal packs, like something normal people do not buy. And we 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 cleaned them out, man. We just got <laughs> double armfuls of them and threw them in the. Because as guys, we we it, for breakfast, every one of us ate six. 
Wow. Plus other stuff. Like, like, well, we would, yeah. So there, <laughs> to Macklin's credit, he did a really good job of mapping out the food mm-hmm. list. He had, a, you know, his whole spreadsheet. But it was all oatmeal, oatmeal, oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> all the way down the list. Well, I look over, and we're taking double armfuls of 50 packs of oatmeal. And this woman who's who's got slippers and, like, you know, one of those Alaskan T-shirts with the howling wolf at the moon? <laughs> okay. She's, like, looking really wide-eyed at us, like, what are they? Are they crazy? And it's like, yeah, we, we are a little crazy. <laughs> so there's a hierarchy to oatmeal flavors. Do you know this? Yeah, yeah I'm remember. sure there is by the end of a trip like that. Bananas and cream is at the bottom. At the very, really? very bottom. Yeah. <laughs> strawberries and cream is at the top. Either that or okay. peaches and cream. Yeah, peaches We and always cream fight good. over the yeah. strawberries and the peaches, and poor Josiah would always get the bananas. His bananas was always <laughs> at the end. On our way back, it would be all bananas yeah. at the end. Yeah. So. <laughs> so avoid the bananas and cream. Yeah, for sure. In the future. Yeah. Do you ever have Big League Chew? Uh, no, I have, I have never experienced that. Was that a big part of your trip as well? It was for Aaron. Okay. <laughs> he needs to pack in the big league chew. Yeah. Yeah. Gave him something to do. Because <laughs> yeah. he couldn't drive. He didn't have his license oh. at that point. So on the first trip, Macklin and I were the only ones who could drive. Mm-hmm. And so everybody else was just Eating chomping on their big chew. league chew in the back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you've been to Yellowstone. And where where else did you go? The first trip was Lake Michigan. And we were still in high school at that point. And then we went to Yellowstone. We we went further each time. Right. And then um, the last one was the big one. We went to California via Oregon okay. and then down down the Pacific Coast Highway, mm-hmm. which was amazing, by the yeah. way. And then um, that was one of the best parts of the trip. That's, was, that's another great one for car wrecks. Well, because yeah. it's winding. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you're looking at everything but the road because it's beautiful. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, we saw the Grand Canyon on the way back up I-40, like you were talking about. Yeah. So it was a giant loop. That may have been the way you did it on your most recent. I don't know. Uh, that's, uh, that's closer to what I did um, five years ago. Um, I didn't realize your other one was five years ago. I thought it was more recent than that. Uh, no, it was, it was a little more than five. I took that one in the spring. Part of my philosophy is only travel when school is in session. <laughs> That's a good philosophy, man. <laughs> One of the things I remember as a kid, and we always, I mean, I was in school. So, I mean, we always traveled in the summer. But there were some parks where we'd sit in line for an hour to get in. And I'm sure it's, it's much worse now because everything is much worse now. <laughs> But uh, so I, I try to travel while the while the kitties are busy, uh, uh, and uh, so five years ago I went out in the spring and uh, uh, you know I looked up when the parks were supposed to be fully open and and it said you know May twenty fifth or whatever something like that and I believed it. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, imagine my surprise when I got to the end of the road and there's a like a twelve foot <laughs> wall of snow still there. <laughs> The the northern parks were not fully open. Yeah. And uh, somebody told me this time uh, that the the snow really isn't all gone until, like, late June. Isn't that crazy? You're around here late June? Yeah. Well, it is crazy. But but I, uh, I went – that year I went to Crater Lake, and they, they told me they had a I – I want to say – they said they had an off year that winter, and it was only a 50-foot <laughs> pack snow <laughs> oh i only got 50 feet huh 
So one of the guys, I mean, <laughs> one of the one of the people that I follow on Instagram is a fitness guy named Ben Greenfield, and he's he's out of Washington State, and uh-huh. so he posts videos on his Instagram, and they're from I guess the morning the morning that he posts them. I'm assuming it's the same day. And he's out there biking in the snow. So, like, right now in Washington State, yeah. he's biking in the snow. Yeah. Well, um, th- this time, uh, to continue with my philosophy, this time I went in the fall after school had started. <laughs> so it was late in the season. But no crowds, and uh, the weather was generally pretty nice, although in Yellowstone it was sleeting. So my my route this time... Uh, I, I think I was going to tell you what my route was last time, <laughs> so let me go ahead and do okay. that. All right. <laughs> last time I took I-70 out to uh, Colorado, and my first park was, stop was Estes Park. Okay. Uh, and from there, I uh, went south through Utah, uh, went, went past Arches, went to Zion, uh, then on to the Grand Canyon, and then over to California. Um, I think this is right. I in a uh, yeah, and uh, went to Sequoia, Yellowstone, or Yosemite. Then up uh, through the Redwood Forest, um, uh, Crater Lake, Mount Rainier, over to Glacier, back back. Now, now I'm on the loop home, and I go through South Dakota, mm-hmm. go through the Badlands. In there somewhere was Yellowstone. Uh, so uh, this time, I uh, went straight north to Wisconsin, mm. uh, and uh, when I was in Wisconsin, I, I visited a cave, which is a really nice place, Crystal Caves, but it's not it's not a national park; it's a private thing, but a very nicely done. And uh, went through North Dakota uh, and uh, uh, Glacier, Mount Rainier, Yosemite, Sequoia, uh, and then back through Arizona, uh, uh, Petrified Forest, New Mexico, and home on I-40. I threw in Yellowstone there not because I wanted to go. But I know it's going to blow up one of these days. So I, if, I'm in the, if I'm in the neighborhood, I better go see it one more time because it could blow up next week. I just don't know. So I went there. Uh, so you were not impressed the first time you went? Oh yeah, no, it's a great, it's okay. a great place. Oh, okay. But uh, my main purpose uh, on this trip was to go to uh, the parks that were mostly closed when uh-huh. I was there before, which were Glacier and Mount Rainier. I, I did not go to Crater Lake. Uh, five years ago, Yosemite was open, but it was just covered with fog. Uh, it was sleeting in Sequoia did you, five years did ago. Did you see Half Dome? Yeah. No way. Yeah, it's out there. <laughs> there <laughs> it's, there's, it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, if, if you go into Yosemite from the west, you go through a tunnel, and it opens up onto this, you know, beautiful broad vista. Wow. Uh, and there's a pull-off there uh, uh, with a large parking lot because <laughs> people yeah. love to stop there yeah. and take pictures of people not looking at the scenery. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah, is a cool. strange thing about human nature, and the selfie has only made it worse, but people love to get pictures of themselves not looking at the scenery. <laughs> but, yeah, there's uh, 
there's El Capitan, you know, over to the left, and then off sort of in the distance is Half Half Dome and Angel Falls. You can see from there. Yeah, I missed it. What state did you say that's in? That's uh, California. Because we did not see that. That was not on our. Yeah, that was itinerary. Yosemite. Okay. Um, yeah, we didn't. You should go. We didn't stop in Yosemite. You we go. were tired because. <laughs> Because <laughs> the oatmeal? Yeah. <laughs> They'll take it out of you. Well, I'll tell you, we almost ran out of food. We had to decide between, well. Do I what, go hungry or eat the bananas and cream? Yeah. <laughs> well, the problem was we had, um, we, this, is, this is about two weeks into our trip to California. We started to get messy. And part of that messiness involved putting the stove with white gas in the same container as our sandwich. Ooh. And a couple hours later, I'm not kidding you. All of we we like we're like okay, let's eat some lunch. So we pull out the bread, we pull out the peanut butter, we 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 pass it all out. We make ourselves sandwiches. All of us take a bite, and I'm not kidding you. It tastes like white gas. Yeah. So it was a question of how hungry are you? Right. <laughs> yes. How willing are you? To, and all we had, and so we had, so that that was it on I-40. This was when we we were actually we saw the first exit of I-40 on California. Like we got off. Uh-huh. On to the beginning of I forty, yeah, and went and then took it all the way to Jackson, Tennessee, but um, which was really cool. Uh, but we were like, okay, we got, we can either see Yosemite and possibly starve, or we can just make it back <laughs> in the next day or two. And anyways, well, that's that's another thing. Well, first of all, those sandwiches might not have been safe. Yeah, we. <laughs> but, but another thing is, if you're going to do this, I and I, you may have done this before when y'all traveled, but I would highly recommend uh, an annual pass to the parks. Mm. Yeah, because that's eighty bucks. Yeah, yeah. And the parks now are upwards of thirty five dollars. Is that apiece. state and national, or is that just national? It's national, but it's everything. Yeah. You know, national yeah. monuments, you know, forests, everything. Uh, you know, on at my third park, my my card had already paid for itself and it's still good i'm probably going to go on another little trip in the spring because mm-hmm. uh, my card's still good yeah <laughs> you know, why not use it um so I- anyway um one of my early stops on this trip was little bighorn uh which is in uh eastern montana on the south south border and it, it had to have been 95 degrees there it was just blistering hot and uh the elevation is not that great really but it was just hot as it could be and then then i drove to yellowstone and the next day i'm in yellowstone which is essentially uh south western montana uh and it was sleeting (laughs) so (laughs) it was just a bizarre uh weather uh going on so you came you must have had to have come in from the northwest then or, uh, northeast. northeast. Yeah, yeah. I went up to Wisconsin and then pretty so much did go, directly. Did you go uh, pa- over the Beartooth Pass? Do you remember? Into Yellowstone. That into Yellowstone? Uh, I went into Yellowstone from the north. Straight north, not northeast. Um, you may not remember, though. I went through Gardner, wherever that is, uh, and I went right past. I think past. that was the other option. I think you I might think, be right. Yeah. I, I think it was directly north it's it's okay. right next to the teddy teddy roosevelt arch that was built uh you know for the enjoyment of the american people or, okay. or something like that, that wasn't the way we took we took this really winding thing that came at it from one of the corners mm-hmm. so it was still from the north but it was kind of from the side yeah yeah, you, yeah probably northeast yeah. that was something Beartooth highway was, was it? yeah man was, yeah 
That's the, that is the quadrant that is mostly just wilderness, I think, isn't it? And you see a lot it's, of wildlife. It seemed like it. There. It seemed like it. Well, there was a it was a little mini blizzard that we drove through. Oh yeah. We had to stop at one point and just kind of let it pass over really? before we could keep going. Yeah, weather in the high elevations is just anybody's guess. Yeah. Well, uh, like you, this was in the middle of summer. Yeah. So or September anyway. <laughs> When I, when I went to Sequoia five years ago, um, I, I got up. It's 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 high in the Sierra uh, Nevada range. The the Sequoia tree, the mighty Sequoia, grows only on the north face of mountains in the Sierra Nevada. Uh, I think I've got that right. Uh, so it's it's way up in the mountains. Uh, and when I got up in the mountains, it was sleeting. And I was I, I was driving a Ford Thunderbird on that trip, which is not really the greatest. It, it's it's great for looking at stuff when you put the top down, but it's it's so low slung, it's not really good for uh, any kind of unpaved highway. And yeah, you know, it's snowing, it's sleeting. I don't know how the highway is going to turn out to be. You know, the higher I go, the more chance I have of sliding off the road and you know getting hung up on something. So I went as far as I was comfortable in going, and then I turned around and I go back, and I drive all around the bottom of the mountain range. The weather's beautiful down there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's bright and sunny and warm yeah. and just wonderful. <laughs> and I, I spend two or three hours driving around the bottom of the park, and then I go th- up to the, the northern entrance and see the other half of the park, you know, <laughs> that way. It's, it's not the most efficient way of, of traveling, but, you know, Mountain weather is just so um, unpredictable uh, in a way, but you know you, you can predict it, but it's unpredictable. Yeah. Um, and uh, my, one of my pitfalls on this last trip was uh, that I hit Yellowstone as my first uh, kind of major park stop, and it's sleeting. And then I go up to Glacier, and it's cloudy that first day. And I say, well, here we go again. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to see anything because <laughs> there is a heavy uh, shroud on all, all, all everything. Um, but I did, it did lend me some uh, spiritual insight. Okay. <laughs> uh, because I realized that uh, uh, Christ... Christ's promise was, uh, or the angel's promise was, that Christ would return with the clouds, and he is going to return on a mountaintop. So he's going to return in the midst of just typical mountain weather. Hmm. This is this is another way in which God uses uh, the natural elements of his creation to demonstrate something to us. Uh, that yeah you know and it's not a great theological point but it was you know something i could gain for from someone it. <laughs> who lives in west tennessee it's quite profound because it's flat here it is flat as it can be we don't know that there are clouds that go in mountains. <laughs> it's, it's almost as flat as arkansas <laughs> uh but yeah and then it cleared up so i think okay <laughs> <laughs> so Jesus didn't so come Jesus back. Didn't yeah, yeah. Jesus didn't show yeah. up, but he did. Uh, he did uh, uh, lift the uh, the cloud of disappointment from me. Uh, and 
I, uh, my next stop was Mount Rainier and it was the same thing. I got there and it was all cloudy and, and misty and wet. And, but the next morning it was just clear as a bell. And, uh, the, the, uh, lodge I was staying at was right at the foot of the mountain and it was just, just right there. It was just beautiful. Hmm. But then, uh, around noon, uh, and you can actually see this in one of the pictures I took. There's a little bit of a cloud forming at the foot of the mountain. And by three in the afternoon, it was completely shrouded. So wow. just typical mountain weather. But Christ didn't return that day either. Hmm. So, well, I guess between both of the trips, what were some of the big standout moments for you? Like what were the things that you would recommend people see? Well, uh... Go see Yellowstone because it could blow up at any minute, <laughs> and it's there's some amazing stuff there. Uh, it is just uh, incredible what goes on uh, on Earth and within the Earth. And there's some there's some beautiful stuff. Um, Did you see the hot springs? The hot springs, you know, that's the main thing uh, to go there for. Uh, although there's also quite a lot of wildlife. Um, there, there's very few things that you can count on seeing when you take a trip like this. You know, it's uh, it's just all a matter of uh, being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Uh, I saw two bears on this trip. Both of them I saw for about a second. <laughs> you know? And the second one, I was just driving along, and all of a sudden there's this, like, bear head sticking up <laughs> over the side of the road. So, you know, it's just a confluence of events that my car and the and the bear arrived at that point at the mm-hmm. same time. And it was like and then a second later he was gone. <coughs> so you you really can't count on stuff like that. But you can count on old faithful. <laughs> yeah. You can plan a trip to Yellowstone and you're gonna see old faithful go off. So I mean that's that's something uh, yeah. worth you know, making a stop there for. Uh, uh, Glacier is just a beautiful place. Uh, it's got one main highway that goes through the park, uh, that has been called the most scenic drive anywhere on earth. Hmm. And it's, uh, uh, these, this valley and, and mountains that have been carved out of the earth by glaciers over, over centuries and millennia. And it's just a wonderful place. It's one of my favorite places. My big pitfall on this trip was there was a little uh, stretch in the middle of that road that was completely closed for paving because it was the off season. Uh, now I ran into paving at Yellowstone too, but they they would you know lead a single line of traffic you know mm-hmm. through the area, but not a glacier that is completely closed. So I spent six hours that day driving around the south part of the park <laughs> to get to the to east end, saw what was going on there, then drove back around out of the east end back to the west end where I was staying. So, But, again, you've got to count on stuff like that happening. Mm-hmm. It was a great day anyway. Uh, Mount Rainier, you know, I've talked about. That's one of my favorite places anywhere. Uh, and uh, Yosemite. And and I include sequoia with that. Uh, there is a grove of sequoia trees in Yosemite uh, 
that is great, but it's hard to get to. And, and this brings me to another point. When I was a kid, uh, the parks were uh, geared toward the family car. And you could drive pretty much right up to any point that you wanted to see and see it. They even had sequoia trees that had tunnels cut in the middle of them so you could drive through them, drive through them. Uh, one of those trees still exists. You can see it. It's healed over quite a bit, but there's still, you know, you can still walk through it. The parks now are far more geared toward hikers. So, you know, it's right up y'all's alley. Do you see that as a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, it's a bad thing for me because okay. <laughs> I'm not a hiker, <laughs> uh, which is why I would, uh, if you want to see sequoia trees, go to Sequoia National Park because unless you're a hiker, because the, the Mariposa Grove requires a lot of walking. Mm-hmm. And what they do now, and, and the parks are moving toward this, um, uh, that you park somewhere and then you get on a shuttle and the shuttle takes you up to a drop-off point and then you start walking. Uh, so for me, it's a bad thing. For the parks, it's a good thing. Uh, sequoia trees in particular have very shallow uh, root systems uh, because the the soil is like three feet deep, right. and then it's rock. Right. <clears throat> so their their uh, roots are spread out far and wide. And if there's traffic on those roots, even walking traffic can can uh, undermine their uh, grip, you know, and uh, and the trees fall over, which you don't want. So really, it, it's a good it's the it's the better approach for the parks. To, to keep them in good, uh, keep the ecology in good shape. But it's it's far more for uh, less sedentary people than me. Well, the Grand Canyon uh, does it, I think, in a really good way because the Grand Canyon um, is a phenomenal thing to see. And they have... Um, like, you can drive up in your car to, like, the middle, like, the, the very middle of the south rim. And yeah. it's, like, where Mather Campground is and the, and the main stop. <clears throat> but then any other stops that you want to see, you have to take all – it's it's close to all regular traffic, and you have to get on their shuttles. Shuttles are free to anybody. Mm-hmm. So, you, so, I mean, there's no – like, if you're poor, you can still get on these shuttles. And you take these shuttles, and the shuttles will take you to these different overlooks. Right. And that – cuts down on a lot of noise it cuts down on a lot of traffic and loudness associated mm-hmm. with that traffic um and uh i think the grand canyon i mean reagan and i my wife were talking about like you know should because uh, in some ways we can be a little bit of a purist like shouldn't you have to like earn or like work for this being able to see this and like the fact that you can just drive up to it and like not have to work for this amazing view is shouldn't that shouldn't be worked and earned for but the reality is like more people get to experience this mm-hmm. through that shuttle system and they do it well by by keeping away a lot of noisy and, and right. annoying traffic right and for the people who want to hike there is there also is option, you can actually right? go into the canyon yeah. and yeah. there's actually a lot that you can see yeah so you're not limited by right. the shuttle yeah but it's there for you yeah, yeah. 
The first place that I ran into that uh, was five years ago, and it was at Zion, uh, which is an amazing place. Um, it's like a little oasis in the middle of the Utah desert, and uh, just it, it, the colors are just so otherworldly. It looks like Disney might have built it, you know, wow. it was, but it's actually real. <laughs> um, but they don't. It's an odd park because there's an interstate that runs right through it, <laughs> you know. And uh, if you're if you're commute to work, you know, back and forth, you got to drive through the national park every day. Uh, but you you go to the visitor center and you just park there, and then it's a shuttle down into the valley. Mm-hmm. So there's like outside of the interstate, there's no car traffic at all <laughs> in the park. Uh, it may not be an interstate, but it's it's a major highway. Uh. Uh, but yeah, uh, and there's, there's great, there's like world-class, uh, hiking at Zion and, and a lot of it is really, is almost rock climbing as well. It's, it's, uh, there were, when I was there, there were, uh, obviously a lot of internationals there who were just there to, mm-hmm. to hike the, to hike the high trails. Uh, so if you're, if you're into hiking, that's, that's definitely, uh, places you want to go uh, because it's not just the hike anymore. It's yeah. it's like seeing some of the greatest wonders in nature. Two th- two interesting things happened to us in Utah. One was Little America. Have you heard of Little America? Did you see those signs? Uh, I probably did, but I don't. Rem- I didn't. I'm not sure how close I got to it. Well, we're driving. <laughs> we're driving through Utah, and like the part. I don't know if all Utah is like this, but this part, this particular part of Utah is like. This long stretch of lonely nothingness desert. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of red sandstone. Yeah. And and we, we're we driving along, and every it gets to the point where, like, it starts out where it's, like, one every 50 miles or so. It's, like, this sign. It's, like, 50-cent ice cream cones. And we start seeing this. And, you know, as yeah. us fi- five guys in a Prius, we're all very interested in 50-cent <laughs> ice cream cones. We're like, man, we got to figure this place out. And then we, st- we keep going, and the closer and closer we get to Little America, it's, like... It gets like Lambert's where they have just they have just bought out every single billboard, and so you're passing sign after sign. Little yeah. America, Little America, Little. We finally find Little America, and I'm not kidding. It's like this oasis, uh-huh. like you were talking about, and it's like lush golf course green grass. Mm. All these, it's like a motel, gas station, gigantic convenience store, grocery store. It's all wrapped into one. I mean, it. it really is like bringing you back to like 1950 era and then it just stops and it's just and then sandstone, it's, and then it's sandstone uh-huh. again. <laughs> there's not a fence or anything <laughs> right. it's just grass it up to stops. a point <laughs> and we walk into this like three-story tall clear story like big window convenience store and there's like these two huge long lines just to get these 50 cent ice cream cones so we of course we get in line and we like and they 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 they, they, they it's an ice cream cone for the legends man they like ice cream coned a good like eight inches, and this guy just had perfect. Just kept going and then handed it over to us, and uh, you know our eyes are super big and we all get these huge ice cream cones and sit down and this lush grass. It was awesome. <clears throat> um, so that's a little America. You should go to Little America. That is capitalism <laughs> at work. And then the other thing uh, was um, when we were at the Bonneville Salt Flats. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. go up on the hill, and then you come down off the hill, and then you see the, the huge. You see you you see Salt Lake City off to your right, and then you you go. I don't know the name of the interstate, but you're going. To, 
we put our cruise control on 110 miles an hour. <laughs> and it felt like we were going 70. Yeah. Because there's nothing. I mean, even if we had run off the road, we wouldn't have even known it. Yeah. It's just total, it's totally flat. Yeah. Um, so that was another cool moment. Yeah. We were just, and the speed limit was 80 there. Uh-huh. Here in West Tennessee, it's like every, the fastest you can go is 70. It's a speed limit everywhere. Yeah. And you think that's just universal. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out out in the West, you can go 80, you can go yeah. 90. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you know, the Bonneville Salt Flats is where they used to do the time trials for land speed record. Yeah. So that they based the interstate on that, yeah. I guess. <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. There's a, there's a place in South Dakota, and one of the reasons five years ago that I went through South Dakota was so I could stop there, <clears throat> called Wall Drug. And they're, they're famous for having their billboards like a thousand miles away <laughs> so it's like wall drug only a thousand miles to go <laughs> and you, you know, wall drug 800 miles wall drug 637 miles and uh they're they are a huge tourist trap too and i mean it's mostly uh stores you know like leather working and i mean just everything you could think of like Gatlinburg kind of thing kind of, sort of yeah an old west version of Gat- Gatlinburg uh, they were the first place I ever ran into buffalo burgers although that's that's fairly common out there now uh, but yeah I mean it's wall drug and they they started out by offering free water <laughs> <laughs> free, free ice water <laughs> and you know they built a kingdom from that yeah but I mean to to kind of circle back around that was the golden age of of the tourist trap mm-hmm. um, one thing that I remembered and I and uh, from my from our our travels earlier when I was a kid was there was just this freestanding bust of Abraham Lincoln somewhere out in the wilderness <laughs> and I remember stopping off to see it and uh I had to look it up because I don't I don't remember what made me think of it but I had to look it up because I didn't remember any anything of where it was uh and it was in Wyoming and uh it was the highest point of the Lincoln Highway this is actually a very comp- uh, very involved story it's, it has to do with history uh, Lincoln Highway was the main uh, route across the country and it went from it started in New York City and um, I think it ended in uh, San Francisco it was essentially just a straight line across the country but in in Wyoming the highest point of the Lincoln Highway was was there you know it, it's a certain point there so they build this freestanding <laughs> bust of Lincoln you know because why not <laughs> And it was, I think it was built in 1960. It wasn't really that long ago, at least in terms of my life. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> and it was, uh, but but the interstate that goes through there is, I think it's 80, uh, doesn't follow the Lincoln Highway. It's it's a different area. So when when they completed the interstate, they uprooted the freestanding bus <laughs> and planted it back on one of the exits <clears throat> along I-80. So its its reason for existing has been removed from it, but yeah. it's still you know this oddball uh, uh, roadside attraction. Mm-hmm. Now the history is uh, the Lincoln Highway uh, goes back a long time, 
really pre-automobile. And uh, uh, after World War I, uh, and, and how, what a great job we did uh, there, uh, the Army decided to take a tour. And we'll take our new mechanized Army with all the tanks and the trucks and stuff, and we'll drive along the Lincoln Highway, uh, you know, end to end, and, uh, you know, uh, kind of a victory lap. Uh, and the Lincoln Highway was a mess. It was like all ruts and mud and stumps and stuff. I mean, it was not it was not made for automobiles yet. And uh, one of one of the young soldiers who was on that tour was a guy named Dwight David Eisenhower. Wow! And he said, "Boy, this is terrible. <laughs> this is not a good idea. This is worse than World War One." Lo and behold, this this bright young man eventually becomes president, uh, but not until he has fought in World War II, uh, in which time he spent uh, he spent some time in Germany and saw the Autobahn. Mm. And he said, "I want one of those." He put the two events together in his mind and he said, "I want one of those." And he came up with the interstate system. Mm. So wow. there's there's the there's the story. Okay. Uh, of how that came about, um, I don't really even know if the Lincoln Highway still exists. It probably does, uh, but it's probably just uh, state highways and U.S. highways now. Yeah. The other uh, famous old route was Route 66, uh-huh. which yeah. went from Chicago and looped down to L.A. Uh, and a lot of it was kind of usurped by I-40, but I actually spent a little time on the, on. Route 66. Yeah, I remember we passed by. I remember seeing that on the map. Just, just yeah. very little time in in uh, in Arizona, but I did stop at an A and W place and got a burger. Nice. <laughs> so oh, nice. you can't nice. on on Route 66. So yeah. you can't get more Americana than yeah. that. Is there a song about Route 66? Oh, That's sure. where you get your kicks. There's also a song about a Thunderbird. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, fun, yeah. fun, fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, my uh, boys. quick quick little detour about Thunderbirds. My my um, grandmother had a Thunderbird. Uh, well, actually, I think it was my great-grandmother that had a Thunderbird. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so... What, a two-seater? I don't know. All I know is that they went to the Walmart, which was just out in my great... My grandmother loved Walmart. You know, it's you can get everything there. So she <laughs> went to the Walmart with her mother, my great-grandmother, and my great-grandmother gets tired, and so she's going to go sit in the Thunderbird um, so she goes out and uh, you know and so my grandmother finishes her shopping she goes out to the Thunderbird and her mother my great grandmother is nowhere to be found so she's like where is my where's my mom so she's walking around turns out there's another Thunderbird exactly <laughs> like it and she had just gotten <laughs> in that and fallen asleep <laughs> so. that's what they say about Thunderbirds they all look alike <laughs> Thunderbird um, you know was Ford's answer to the Corvette Back in the fifties, okay, but they only made it as a two-seater for three years, and then they turned it more into a family coupe or sedan. I, I'm not yeah. sure. They kept they kept the uh, the nameplate, and it was their NASCAR racer for a long time. But it was never a, it was it was a little two-seater roadster only yeah. for three years, and they gave up on it. Yeah, but it's a cool name, so they kept the yeah, name. Thunderbird's a cool name. That's a good name. I was surprised. By how beautiful the Badlands were. 
Did you see? Did you see much of the Badlands? Uh, not this time. I I drove through them. I didn't stop there, uh, but I drove through them. Um, that was five in, years ago. That was an unintentional stop for us because yeah. we were on our way to Rushmore. Yeah. Um, this yeah, was I stopped at this Rushmore, was on the yeah. Yellowstone trip. Uh-huh. So our second uh, trip, our first one out west, and uh, we just didn't make it all the way. So we uh-huh. just <laughs> parked outside a motel and 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 spent the night there, and then. We kept going. I think we started at like five in the morning or something like that, and so it just happened to be around sunrise. And it was—I don't know if it was the—I don't know if it just happened to be the right moment, or it was early on in the trip and we weren't tired yet. I don't know, <laughs> but for some reason, looking back, that was one of the most beautiful times out of all three trips. Really, there was mm-hmm. something about the Badlands that was just—it yeah. was really tall grass, uh-huh. and it's like. You know the fields of winter wheat that you see sometimes yeah. out in the farmlands um, when the wind is blowing over it and it's that it's that darker green color. Right. It's not the bright, you know, grass around people's houses, and that's yeah. what it was like. And it was just tall and yeah, free running and just hills, just tons of hills. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it was unexpected. I think if we had made that a landmark mm-hmm. destination, it wouldn't have been as good. Yeah. Was, yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Just the just the surprise of it. Yeah. Uh, my my stop at uh, the Petrified Forest um, uh, is within the Painted Desert. Uh, mm. Really, the whole northern half of Arizona is con- considered Painted Desert, but there's a little. The national park is set aside, you know, to <coughs> to be in the same area as the Petrified Forest. And uh, I'd been there as a kid, but I didn't have much memories of it. But yeah, just seeing, and it was at sundown. Uh, so the lighting has a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but just seeing the colors um, and the strata, uh, you know, of this this desert area is just just uh, uh, just really striking. Uh, and my morning at Mount Rainier too, to, to see the the sun light it was the sun was not high enough to light the trees around the mountain yet, but the peak of the mountain was lit, you know, with the stark. Uh, shadows being cast along the crags and uh, it's it's really uh, sheds a whole new light on it <laughs> <laughs> one might say yeah if one were so inclined and uh, I meant to bring this up when uh, Macklin was talking about the Grand Canyon the, these things these vistas uh, create a problem in that our cameras are only the images our cameras mm-hmm. pick up are only so big, and I gotta I gotta say first of all the Grand Canyon defies photography. Yes, it does. There is no good way to take a picture of a hole in the ground, <laughs> uh, and you don't you just don't get any sense of it at all. Uh, now I took some amazing pictures <laughs> on this past trip, but you know it's. It's what a fiftieth of what your eye can see in any given uh, situation. <clears throat> so actually, going out and seeing it yourself, you know, with your full vision, uh, peripheral, you know, around the sides and up and down and everything, it's you know far surpasses any picture you could ever uh, come up with. When you went with Reagan, didn't you have some sort of stargazing thing out there? Yeah, we went to the Grand Canyon, and that week they had uh, a whole week of every night 
hobbyist and professional astronomers came out with their gigantic telescopes mm-hmm. and just set them up and you could walk from person to person and wow and these people when when you're that deep into astronomy like you're very interested in a very specific either section of the sky or like star itself yeah. or galaxy and so they spend all their time just watching this one star and so they had one person would have it fixed on a galaxy another person would have it fixed on a binary star and they're like getting to explain their passion to you like this is so cool because this and this and they have you can look at it i, I actually reagan and i got to look at i don't even know what it was anymore it was a it was a a galaxy that um could only be seen with a a telescope the size of an, a semi truck. Mm-hmm. Like we, like you had to climb up on the scariest ladder I've ever seen. It was a ladder that, um, instead of having four feet, it had three because it was like a tripod thing, huh. and it's it was like probably twenty five feet tall. Anyways, so you climb up on the scary ladder that's like rocking back and forth, and you're looking through this little eye hole, and the 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 diameter of the the telescope is like fingertip to fingertip like gigantic and he Mm -hmm. and you get so you get to see with your naked eye something that's shining light at you millions of years ago um and so and then it was like hundreds of these people were just all over the place showing you what they were and um and then we also got to go on like a constellation tour and they have these i didn't know that i didn't know this but they have these um lasers that will point like that are powerful enough to to point out stars like you can and and of course they don't go all the way to the stars but they go far enough into the atmosphere that you can you can somebody can shine up to a certain star or a certain Mm -hmm. cluster and say like okay that's what this is and so they were explaining like all these constellations and how to find them and it was and also i've never seen so many stars like it was um they purposefully set it to where there was no moon like the moon was had waned all the way So there was no light, and it was, like, at the beginning of the night, like 9 o'clock, I could easily find the Big Dipper and the North Star. By, like, 11 o'clock that night, which is when we got back to our camping site, the star, the sky was so full of stars that I could not find the, the, the Big Dipper. Mm-hmm. Like, it was impossible. Yeah, it is amazing. And this is actually one of, one of my memories of, of sitting in line to get into a park. I think it was the Redwood Forest. Um, for some reason, uh, we got there after dark, and there were still, you know, people there checking you in and letting you get into the park. And, I mean, I just remember sticking my head out the window and looking up into the sky. And, mm-hmm. of course, there was no light anywhere. And it, there's, like, more stars than there is sky. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just amazing. Yeah. yeah when I was in Sydney, uh, my my uh, motel was a few blocks away from an, an observatory. So I went down there and uh, saw Saturn, and uh, 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 the guy uh, uh, found us the four moons of uh, Jupiter as well. Jeez. And there was like two dozen people there, and we all got a turn at the at the big telescope. And every three or four people, he would have to readjust it because they they had rotated out of view or were about to be out of view already. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing how. And this was an old telescope. This was like decades old. Hmm. Uh, serious people don't use it anymore. This is strictly for the tourist trade. <laughs> uh, but it's amazing how how close they can get. 
so that it can actually be out of range yeah, and just really like a minute. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Another, th- a similar thing that I didn't see this time, but I did uh, five years ago, was uh, professional photographers would just stake out a place where there was an animal in a park, and you know, they would just wait there for hours for this animal to poke its head up <laughs> so that he could get a picture, uh, presumably for magazines. Or you know some kind of uh, wildlife thing, like a mountain lion or something like that. Well, uh, yeah, or a fox. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> that was yeah. a guy. I ran into one guy. <laughs> I couldn't even see what he was waiting for, uh, and he said there was a fox out there. Uh, but yeah, bears, uh, uh, wolves, or coyotes. You know, just anything. Yeah. But it's it's kind of a an industry. You know, the wildlife photography industry. We had a bear encounter on one of our trips. You did? We were camping um, right outside. I think the mountain was called Electric Peak in Yellowstone. Hmm. Third highest mountain in Yellowstone? Something like that. Something like that. So we camped outside with the plan to climb it the next day. And we had a near-death experience on the mountain too. But um, there was a bear that visited in the night. And I remember waking up and hearing the shuffling around and stuff like that. And we had put our stuff up so he couldn't get to it, but he was just kind of checking things out. And I remember yeah. holding the knife, my pocket knife with me <laughs> just in case he tried to get inside the tent. Uh, Defender of the tent. Yeah. So we, yeah. Were, when I was yeah. in Glacier, there was a notice that a certain campground was hard, hard body only because of bear activity. Yeah. When we got our permit to climb electric peak, Got our permits, didn't say anything about it, didn't say anything about it. And then as we're headed out the door, oh, by the way, there's a mother bear in the area. See ya. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I don't know if that was the mother bear or not. but And then, um, so the near-death experience, we were were climbing up the mountain, and uh, the climbing up was fine. But then on the way back, we started to go down the wrong way. Mm. So we were going, so the path goes up one side, and we started to go down the opposite direction. So we had to go around the side of the mountain but that's not where the path was so we're kind of punching through the snow just trying to scramble around to the other side uh-huh. and Josiah I guess lost his footing and just started tumbling down the mountain uh-huh. in the snow um, and thankfully there weren't any rocks around but um, I was Macklin was at the top and then Josiah was in the middle and I was the lowest down and I saw Josiah fall and I looked up at Macklin and then I looked down, and Josiah was still tumbling down the mountain. Mm. And I looked back up at Macklin and back down, and he was still tumbling <laughs> down. And by the time he was finished um, sliding slash tumbling down, he looked like an ant. Yeah. But he gave a little thumbs up, and, <laughs> and we uh, made our way back down and found yeah. him. But, I mean, if there had been a rock there, that yeah. would have... Yeah. And he didn't turn into a snowball. He didn't. <laughs> I'm not sure what the physics of that is. It, yeah. it may not actually be possible. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, that kid. That's, I'm that was, sure that was that a was scary, scary. Yeah, a scary was, event. Yeah, yeah. Well, they called it Electric Peak because someone had died either the year before or two years before from a lightning strike because there were no trees at the top of the mountain. Hmm. So once you're up there, you are the lightning rod. So well, I mean, yeah. There's a there's a a real danger there. Uh, uh, I think it was a year or two before I went to Yosemite the first time, you know, five years ago, returned to it the first time, 
uh, where uh, a large piece of rock had fallen off a off a you know a cliffside and crushed a car that was just parked there and mm. killed the people that were in it. So, but you know, I mean, these things are very rare. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't scare anybody off. <laughs> <laughs> just watch out for the mother bears. <laughs> yes. In, in the, uh, the, I was nearly killed by a mule deer. <laughs> so it was, it's, it's much better to be killed by a mother bear than a mule deer. <laughs> Is it though? <laughs> what do you mean? It's actually, I guess it's best not to be killed at all. Uh, <laughs> How I was, you almost I was by? in, uh, I was driving in, uh, Wyoming early one morning. And, uh, as Macklin says, you know, the speed limit is 85. It's a two lane U S highway and the speed limit is 85. <laughs> so, okay, I'll go, I'll go 90. Like, what the heck? <laughs> um, and out of the, out of the uh, corner of my eye, I see this deer, you know, kind of sauntering up toward the, the roadside. Uh, and I had already thought, you know these deer stay so close to the road if if one of them does something stupid there's nothing i can do uh, i'm not going to be able to stop or miss it right and i didn't i didn't catch sight of this deer uh fast enough to slow down and stop but it was clearly just walking up onto the road well there's also a car coming from the other direction so fortunately there was a very wide shoulder to the right and it was clear so i moved over to the shoulder and again it's one of these convergence of of paths uh at the very same second the oncoming car is in his lane the deer is in my lane and i'm on the shoulder and at that moment i was in the presence of the luckiest deer in the world Uh, but again, I was in my T-bird, so if I had hit that deer, it would have catapulted right into my cockpit, and yeah. that would have been the end of it. Uh, <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> so yeah, I even a mule deer can kill you. Yeah. Wow. Well, that'd be a quicker way to go, though. <coughs> be well, more instant. Hopefully, more. And I was braced for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was. Uh, oh my gosh. So yeah, that was that was just an act of grace that I yeah. I survived that. Mm. It's a wonder we don't all die every day when we get on the road. Well, uh, it's a crazy idea to get into a car that's got fire in the front (laughs) and gasoline in the back (laughs) and go as fast as you can. You're just kind of asking for trouble. (laughs) Well, when you put it like that. (laughs) That's true, though. What what are we thinking? I wouldn't lie to you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy, but I tell you what else is crazy that cars don't just shake apart. <laughs> you know, I mean, just it's amazing to me. I I I just drove my car into the ground for for two weeks. I put like seventy five hundred miles on it at eighty miles an hour usually, and the thing held together. You know, how does that even happen? It's just amazing, really, some of the engineering that, that yeah, um, it is. these things can withstand so much. I was driving to the scholarship banquet yesterday. Uh-huh. I don't know where this came from, but you know one of those outer rims of tires? Uh-huh. It was, I was driving, and it was rolling by. <laughs> it was going faster than yeah. you? 
Well, it was going so fast that it looked like it had just fallen off the car and just kind of kept rolling. Uh, well, and it's it, possible. Yeah, and I don't know where it came from because it came from my right side, and I was in the furthest lane, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where it came from, but it kept going and it passed into the other lane. And it was kind of like you and the mule deer. Somehow, it didn't hit yeah. any of the cars. And, yeah, it was a, it was the luckiest yeah. hubcap in the world. And I didn't see it stop rolling, so I guess I mean it, it could still be rolling. For all it could be. Yeah. Oh man. Everybody should freaking go, man. Like. Yeah, and and I would encourage people with small children to take them, because hmm. even though they won't uh, remember uh, a lot of details, it will leave an impression on them. Yeah, and they and they'll remember silly details like yeah. my, the trip to Florida. That I, I mentioned I remember uh, vying with my brother over a toy alligator. <laughs> you know? So there's always going to be si- silly little things that they will remember uh, the connected to these trips, and then a, the broader impression will take them out again later mm-hmm. uh, when they're when they're old enough to appreciate it more. And for any college students listening, now is the time also. In between semesters, go during your summers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it may you may feel like you can't afford it now, but you won't be able to afford it even more later. Yeah, you that's, true. <laughs> once that's you, true. Once you've taken on more yeah. responsibility yeah. that demands your money, then, you know, it will it will be harder. Yeah, yeah. And you can start small. You don't have to go to California from Tennessee mm-hmm. on your first trip. Yeah. Right. You know, Macklin and I, we started with Lake Michigan, and then we kind of branched out from there. So take it in phases. Yeah, and there are, there are a lot of great places to see that are not that far away. Mammoth um, Caves is Mammoth Caves right you know, nearby. Is, is very close. Smoky Mountains is very close. Uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas. Uh, and then uh, Carlsbad Caverns is not that bad you know it's it's on the other side of texas no it's not that bad but it is carlsbad (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) but uh, Uh, you're all day folks so (laughs) yeah do what you can early and and expand your horizons as you go well this was great thank y'all well thank you all right signing out